start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna it. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. What's going on, everybody? This is, I forgot already. 67 episode 67 of the white cat outdoors podcast thanks for hanging around for 67 episodes we appreciate you guys uh we're talking turkeys again this week hopefully you guys aren't sick of it uh nick is here so don't be fooled he's just sitting on the computer he's not going to be talking tonight uh tom's over here to my left glad to be back in the studio and we have one familiar face and one new face uh we have scotty with turks and tines hey everyone and excuse me uh, Scotty's buddy, from also from Turks and Tines, Brad. How are you? We're, everybody's doing good, doing real good. Um, like I said, we're going to be talking turkeys tonight. Um, I guess we'll just roll right in. I know you guys said you are going down to West Virginia here pretty soon, and Nick and Tom are both going to Ohio pretty soon. And the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about like different tactics that we use when we're getting into new areas. Like, and I, I know you guys have hunted down there before, but like. What do you do pre-scouting, you know, because I'm sure every year is a little bit different when you go down. What do you do beforehand? Because you, you obviously can't go walk around every day and figure out what you want to do on the first day. So how do you prepare yourself as much as possible right away? So as the, soon as you're in the woods, you're hunting. That's a good question. The The biggest thing that we do is you got to hit the treadmill. Because yeah. <laughs> it is the uh, the hills are extreme there, and mm-hmm. if you want to have a, a successful hunt, you need to be in shape. We ran into that too. We hunted down in Maryland, uh, right by Cumberland, and we thought the same thing. We were like, "Holy shit!" Like we were, these hills kind of suck. Like we were oh, not yeah. expecting. No, it. it's it can it, it can make a break. You know, mm-hmm. usually we're just hunting like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sometimes on a Thursday, yeah, and that's it. So you got to make the best of it, and you got to be in shape. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're still hunting easterns. The tactics are very similar, and and like I always, you know, like I always say, uh, it's the terrain's the biggest thing. But you know, where the birds were last year, that's where they're going to be this year, and that's mm-hmm. where they're going to be the year after that. The mm-hmm. only thing that's really going to change it, like uh, if you decimate the property, you yeah, know, you do it like an you know an overlogging, you know, mm-hmm. you over timber it and mess it up. Mm-hmm. That'll that'll delay them for yeah. a little bit. But that's about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where we've hunted them for the past, you know, twenty years, they're we still, you know, they're right there. Yeah. So we don't do really a lot of scouting. Mm-hmm. Don't really need to. Don't really need to. Mm-hmm. You know, even areas that we haven't been into in you know five eight years, I'm sure we could walk in there at any time and get into be, the birds. Yeah, be right mm-hmm. in it. You got so, it. Yeah. One question I do like really want to hit on because we've talked about this for several years since we left Maryland. We really struggled to move birds like across ridges and stuff like there's a lot of like really deep guts between close ridges like it's only 100 yards straight line 
but you got to go through a big dip to get across there. And we really struggled to call birds across. Do you guys have any like tips on moving birds across terrain like that? Well, first and foremost, uh, when we go to West Virginia, we usually, we try to start at the high point. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I learned real quick out in South Dakota, the same thing, Mm -hmm. the birds will be high. So you want to start high if you want to have a shot right off the bat. If not, they're gonna head. They're gonna head downhill. Um, not so much in West Virginia. They do like to side hill, um, but every uh, you know we talked about this uh, before the show started. Um, every bird has its own personality, mm-hmm. and so you know you'll get some that will have no problem flying from one ridge to the other, coming all the way across. We worked a bird last year uh, in West Virginia that. He was completely dead across the hill from us, and he came all the way to the bottom. And came he came within about sixty yard, yards of us. He wanted nothing more to do with it. He just mm-hmm. kept working back and forth, back and forth, and we tracked him out probably another mile, mm-hmm. and just just couldn't cut him off. Hmm. So it's really their personalities. Um, you'll know pretty quickly whether or not they're going to come, or you got to mm-hmm. put a move. Yeah. So basically, you're more worried about your setup than anything and your initial communication, figuring out how that bird is acting. Yeah. And, and, and always leaving yourself the option to be able to make a move, setting yourself up in a position that, you know, if that bird hangs up, you can, you can back out and put a new, another move on it. You mm-hmm. know, West Virginia early on it's big woods and big timber. So it's wide open. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. you can see across the other side, you can watch the bird coming down the hill and the slightest moves can uh, can definitely hurt you. So yeah. uh, really just making sure that when you set up, you have an exit strategy as well if you have to. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that I've never really considered. And I'm not like a huge turkey hunter. I obviously love turkey hunting, but I'm not fully immersed into it like I am some other things. So that's like one thing I haven't really thought about. And I don't think most people think like that is they want, they're all offense when they're going after turkeys, but having that exit strategy and being able to back off and play defense for a second and make yeah. a, make the right move to reattack. One of the things that we, you know, that one of the stories that I don't know, an old timer always told me a long time ago was, you know, if you had, uh, you know, a, a national champion, you know, world champion caller, uh, you know, would you rather have him, you know, hunting a new piece of woods or would you rather have, uh, the ten-year-old kid whose property that he, you know, that he grew up on. Yeah. Which one would you take with you on that hunt? Mm-hmm. And all day long, I'll I will take that ten-year-old kid that knows every ridge, every bump, yeah. every tree, every you know. Mm-hmm. You need to know that territory, for, you know, to be able to be flexible. Yeah. I mean, that's how you kill birds. Knowing those woods, that's what's going to kill you birds. It has. Mm-hmm. It, it's not so much the calling. It's a big part of it. Yeah. But it's only a small piece of it. Mm-hmm. Know, knowing your woods is, I think, the biggest part. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that with yeah. anything you're hunting, really. As long as you know your woods, you're setting yourself up tenfold better to be successful on any hunt. It is. It's a little different, though, because like turkeys, you know, you're running and gunning because if you, they don't come in right away and you got, and, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about exit strategies to be, be able to have a reset, where are you going to do that at? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That best case, case scenario, having them, you know, be able to, pop their head up over a ridge and they're going to be in range. You yeah. Know? That, mm-hmm. That's the thing. You don't want their head to pop up. And so what you, and, and they can see 
you know, yeah. and you can't do anything and you about can't it. Do anything. You need you need to close that gap. So so if you have a bird that does get hung up, you know, eighty to hundred yards out there, and he just there's nothing you can do to break them to come in. How would you pursue that same bird? Like, do you switch up calls, go to a different location, try and call them in somewhere we, else? Like, how do you attack that situation? Uh, a lot of times, it, uh, we'll do everything. We'll reset. We'll try different calls. Uh, but sometimes it, it just, it just you know, one of the things uh, that we always say is uh, every bird has its day, but the older they get, the less days they have mm-hmm. that you're going to actually kill them. Yeah. So, you know, uh, a Jake... You know, you're probably you know he he's probably got a lot, of days. a lot of days. <laughs> yeah, but that you know that four or five year old, you may only have one shot at him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just the way it goes sometimes. You know, I mean, we've had birds that we just we've worked for weeks and still never killed them. You know, mm-hmm. knew everything about that bird, mm-hmm. and uh, still, you know, so. Well, it's an, it is interesting. They are a very. Yeah. I think that's why we're so intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. You know, they are definitely one of the more frustrating animals to deal with, <laughs> especially those big hooks bird. Mm-hmm. You know, birds, and those are the ones that we really key in on. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. We were podcasting. You just came over, and we were bullshitting, and. <laughs> We were like, as, yeah, we were talking about how Nick gets excited. <laughs> Nick. He'll blow Jake away all day long. Care. Yeah, Jake, long beard, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's going down, oh, yeah, huh, no, Nick? I'm all it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have like target turkeys? Like, you have a target whitetail on, the, on your farm? We absolutely. Well, right now, do we have a target target bird? I don't think we actually have a target bird. We do have one. Is it the the one? Does he have a missing tail feather? Yeah, he has a missing tail feather. We have a history with that bird. Yeah, <laughs> are spent... you the reason why he's missing a tail feather? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But we spent three weeks after him last year and never killed him. And I mean, we we saw him every single day. I think, with the exception of one, maybe in a three week time period. And I think the closest we had him was about sixty five, seventy yards. And uh, we just we weren't comfortable taking that kind of shot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he. He's on he's on our hit list for this year for sure. But um, you know we we always are carrying binos with us. So when we're out scouting, you know we're we're not really looking at beards. We're looking at spurs. And once yeah. we've identified <laughs> spurs, uh, that that's when we start to really close in and mm-hmm. decide. Okay, this is where we're gonna hunt, or this is the particular bird we're gonna hunt. Yeah. Uh, I do want to jump back real quick to your question about what do you do with that bird that hangs up. And I think I think one tactic that people commonly make the mistake on is they just keep calling you know uh we we've come to the realization that we just shut up Mm -hmm. um and we'll shut up for a good 20 minutes sometimes and uh and then we'll we'll throw out a different call to see if we can get it strike him again to to Mm -hmm. locate him and then we'll make our move but really tactically uh, that's probably one of the common mistakes that the turkey hunters make is they just sit there and call and call and call and think this bird's going to come. Mm-hmm. You'll know within 10 minutes if he's going to come or you might <laughs> as well forget right. it. That's yeah. right. Now, have you ever, I've heard a lot of people trying, I've tried it myself, where if you got a bird that hangs up, where you actually move in the opposite direction, you move yourself farther away from the bird and call, trying to give the, give him the idea that he's losing his chance and you're moving on. That's what's really cool with, uh, hunting in pairs 
I, I, there's very few times that Scott and I are not hunting together, especially turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Nick have found that turkey hunting in pairs is definitely. Um, and, and so we'll we'll play the, just that game. One of us will stay forward, and the other one will will start scooting back, and sometimes way back, sometimes way off to the left or right. I mean, yeah, we've there's not a there's not a tactic out there that we haven't played on a turkey. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, just those those older birds, boy, they're just a different they're just a different breed, you know. I mean, there was one bird, you know, in, in PA. You know, I'm gonna put myself out there. I don't know, uh, game commission, come come get me. But there was this bird <laughs> that we knew for a few years. He just never had a beard. Oh he, yeah, beardless. Mm-hmm. And so he became my my target bird because I knew, <laughs> you know, he wasn't no. It wasn't no Jake, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up we ended up killing that bird. We doubled that day. Oh yeah, and it was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure that one had some spurs on him. Then he, was, he had some nice hooks. Yeah, <laughs> he was about an inch and a quarter. He was real sharp. You know, nice mm-hmm. bird. Yeah. So, what's your I guess like go to attack? Are you more into trying to call a bird in or set up on their actual like their daily pattern or daily routine both yeah both uh last year we spent most of our season uh bouncing all over a field um because there was three long beards together and just trying to it was a game of chess Mm -hmm. and uh the closest we got one day in the snow remember it snowed last last season Mm -hmm. yep 49 yards and we didn't take the shot just wasn't comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and uh and the on the last day of the season we went to a different spot and we doubled on the last day and those three lived, mm-hmm. you know, but we dedicated that whole season to those three birds bouncing mm-hmm. all over the field, you mm-hmm. know, n- more decoy work, you know, and mm-hmm. um, not doing a lot of calling and never did kill those birds. Yeah. So. Cat and mouse. <laughs> it was a cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. It was. And, you know, they're if you're here they're going to come out here and if you, you set switch, up the next yeah. you sw- they're coming here I, it was just a mm-hmm. it, was, it was just a, a game yeah. you know it didn't it just don't i don't know it seems like we're more interested in getting the kids birds now yeah. you know mm-hmm. i mean we've already killed so many birds to where it's just it was just fun to try to figure mm-hmm. it out you know and see yeah. what they do mm-hmm. yeah it's a blast huh, playing was, with was going back it. and forth like that <laughs> it <was> so yeah. <laughs> fun <laughs> it's interesting when you hear people say that they've patterned birds you'll pattern them to the point that they're probably going to show up in that field and you know they're going to show up in that field but they're nomadic I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they wander, they're wanderers, you yeah. know? So, I mean, yeah, they're going to be in that field. I can guarantee you they'll be in that field tomorrow, but you know, that's, that's what a 30, 40 acre field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, where are they coming out in <laughs> yeah. that field? You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> we have we no spent idea. three weeks trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and they roosted in the same spot almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, do you, how do you guys go about like setting up on roosted bird obviously you don't set up right on the roost but like you put birds to bed you know they're roosting right here mm. that's you, the one thing we don't usually do mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. you know certainly roost you know roosted them at night mm-hmm. but a lot of times we'll just just you know we'll get in the field early in the morning and as soon as that 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 first gobble goes you know but the thing with those birds last year, they would gobble, so we would anticipate. All right, so when they when they were when they were roosted in this spot, they would they came out underneath this tree, so we'd mm-hmm. set up underneath this tree. But then they would loop all the way around for whatever reason. We didn't mm-hmm. touch a call, 
and they'd show up, you mm-hmm. know, you know, what, 150 yards down the down the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it just, you just never – they're unpredictable. That was yeah. – I yeah. mean, it was just no rhyme or reason, it's, you know. It's really hard and difficult, you know, when you put a bird to bed. and I mean, we've done it. We've done it to the point that we know the tree that he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, that's a game of chance, you know. You have to get in in absolute pitch dark. You have to get as close as you can, mm-hmm. and you're taking that chance of bumping that bird. You bump that yeah. bird, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had some issues with coyotes last year too. You know, we would um, like birds were coming in, actually coming to us. Like it's it's it's, it's game on. They are they're closing. They're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, eighty yards and closing like mm-hmm. on a string, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody's getting all jumpy. And then a, a coyote. How many times that happened? We ended Three. up killing one of the one of the coyotes. Really? We had a really cool hunt last year. A coyote came in. Well, first we seen this hen take off, and when she took off, she had a dust trail behind her I never seen before. Like she was covered in dust, and she land. We could see her. She was she she uh, roosted in a tree, and this coyote came out and was and was hunting, hmm. and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just that's crazy. Just, that happened it, three but times. It, it, it'll shut them up, and you oh, might I'm as well sure just pack it, it up and go. You know, because mm-hmm. we're, we're usually hunting before work. You know, so yeah. we can't dedicate. You know, we're just we're getting in, get it now. That's the that's the tough thing too. You know, if to be able to hunt those birds every single day, you want to be on the edge to where you do have that exit strategy, so you can get back in there and, and not mm-hmm. spook them. Yeah, that was our cha- the most challenging part with that whole playing those trio mm-hmm. and we were able to do it we were able to successfully hunt them every single day without spooking them and getting in in and out only for a couple hours every day so i'd have to say that was the most challenging part yeah, yeah. Hmm. so yeah you just couldn't set up in the middle because you know if they're going to be anywhere in the field yeah there's no you way can't... you can get out with them you know without them seeing yeah them. and then you're so, ruining your hunt for the next day or two or three for sure mm-hmm. yeah so you hunted the same group of gobblers for three weeks straight Yes, and I've heard people say, you know, never like, killed them. Uh, never did kill them. <laughs> you know, after the uh, first couple of weeks of turkey season, the gobblers get call shy. How do you? Well, it depends on how much you, you somebody's how much pressure. Yeah, pressure. Yeah. I think that's more dictated by pressure and breeding cycles. You know, uh, you know. Uh, although our our trio, they had they had hens pretty much every every day and it, they all they were hammering every every morning huh mm-hmm. only weather weather would dictate it you know mm-hmm. if it was cold nasty rainy they would they would definitely be quiet but they would come out mm-hmm. yeah so you're usually hunting these birds like after they're already henned up or are you hunting them trying to bring them to you like you're a hen that they're wanting to get with well usually the way it works like if uh depending on how they're acting Usually the ones you'll know right away if they're hand up or not. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll usually come running right in, mm-hmm. you know, the, from from our experience. But you know, and then a lot of times those hens they're talking too. If, if there's a bird yeah. gobble and hens are talking, mm-hmm. you know, you know, depending on how, what your setup is, is going to dictate, you know, what's going to happen in those next couple minutes. Like because mm-hmm. those hens by nature are, is they they want to go to that gobbler. Yeah, for so, sure. So, and you yeah. can't. <laughs> and you can't. Yeah. So. You know, just being the one thing about, you know, hunting those hend up birds is, and and this is even coming from the big boys talking, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be 
where they want to be. You need to be where they want to be. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and this is, it's, it's, it's such a touchy subject. And I don't know why, because like we're archery hunters too, mm-hmm. you know, all of us here are. Yeah. And uh, so my question is, I don't know why people get so worked up about uh, uh, that, that, that type of style of, you know, intercepting birds or, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like doing it like that, you know, well, we hunt in tree stands. That's what we're doing, aren't we? You know, yeah, you're doing the same thing. We're doing basically. the same thing. So, why does it matter how you're killing? Just so you're not shooting them off the roost. I think yeah. it's all as long as you're doing it lawfully. And I, that's yeah. it. So yeah, I mean, no man. I think it's. I have no problem with the ambush style mm-hmm. turkey hunting. You know, mm-hmm. if you're gonna try to get in their way, and yeah. you're gonna be there when they walk by, and you're gonna kill them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think that's I think that's cool. But when you are going after birds that are already henned up and you're catching them coming out of the field, do you think it's beneficial to use decoys when you're doing that, or do you try to just specifically use your call? Or I'm sure you're. It depends on the situation, probably. I tell you what, it's it's once they're already henned up, sometimes you just, there's nothing you can do except be in where, the right place. Yeah. In the right place, they're mm-hmm. just gonna come walking by. Mm-hmm. You know. I, Huh, isn't, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, that's another common mistake that uh, the guys make turkey hunting is, uh, you know, they the, that bird's hend up, he's not coming, he's out there at 50 yards, and they figure rather than letting him walk away for another day to be able to come back and hunt that bird, they take a, they take a, a, a long shot at him and mm-hmm. wound him or miss him, and they've just ruined that, that spot for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, they... In their mind, they're not thinking. If I just let this bird walk away tomorrow, I, I got it. I got another day. Mm-hmm. Instead, they go and they shoot not once but twice, three times, and mm-hmm. they just screw the spot up. Yeah. So, I, I was kind of basing that question more towards like decoy use. Um, do you use de like how often do you use decoys and like in what situations will you use them more so than others? We we use decoys like. Absolutely. Like when we have our kids, it's and we're decoy hunting. We're blind hunting, decoy hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're about eleven and twelve. It's 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 tough to do it any other way with kids, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so right now it's 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 decoy hunting, and you know, a, a lot of times if we're hunting big open fields, open timber, like we've seen these birds in the fields, and even if they're with hens, we've we've pulled long beards. We uh, up in New York State. We, we doubled a couple of years ago. They were with a huge group of hens. Mm-hmm. And because of our decoys set up, and we have a particular gobbler that we have hanging on a uh, on a shepherd's hook. So he spins. He spins. Mm-hmm. And when that thing, the little wind kicked up, it started spinning. You, you could watch those gobblers. They turn. How far did they come? They were so far. 300, 400 yards out. Really? All the way across that field. And we smoked them, plowed up, just because that thing turned. Just because that thing not going to happen today. It's go time. (laughs) They spent a lot of time over there, but for whatever reason, they just were coming now. Mm -hmm. So, but we had our, uh, you know, we used the Avion decoy. I mean, they they Mm -hmm. look sweet out there. Yeah, yeah. What sort of decoy setup do you normally use? Because me and Nick have talked about this quite a bit. We were talking about it just a couple minutes ago. Um, How do you? change your decoy setup depending on your situation do you use like hens exclusively here jakes gobblers i'll tell you i don't 
How do how do we do it? Usually, I mean, when we when we decide to use decoys, mm-hmm. we usually bring everybody, mm-hmm. and it's it's a uh, tea it's party. A, it's a tea party. <laughs> call it a tea we party. Say, <laughs> I mean, we got the. I mean, if you're gonna do it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's an all or nothing thing. Yeah. We bring we bring it all. Like mm-hmm. you know, we got a bird. We got a we got a problem bird. We can't kill. He's hanging out in the field. We're bringing everybody. Mm-hmm. So the full fan. You know, he, this bird got competition. You know, mm-hmm. he's the he's the big guy on the block. Mm-hmm. And, and then we got all the girls. We got you know the laying down hen, the feeding hen. You know, mm-hmm. the, so we yeah we we bring everybody. If you had a chance to watch us walk in in the morning, it's like the Clampets, <laughs> you know, with a blind and chairs oh. and kids. And, I mean, our our duffel bag. We probably we probably should be pro staffers for Avion. I mean, we've got a lot of money invested in their decoys, but there's not one on the market that's better in my mind. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're they're awesome. We 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 do like a setup where our, we'll have that gobbler that's on the shepherd's hook, and usually we have a hen laying down somewhere in the vicinity of him. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we do that's a little bit different. Um, the Avion Gobbler, or Jake, in a sense, comes with a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're cheesy. Uh, we've started saving fans, and we make our own. And uh, I've, I've made us a couple of our own Jake fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, those, those seem to work better, especially with the wind and being able to give some movement and a little more realism to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've, the big thing with decoys uh, for us, which is really good for kids, is decoys take the turkey away from anything else that's going on yeah they're, they're focused Pulls on the decoys attention. so I, I mean you try hunting with a seven eight year old kid in a blind there's a lot of movement going oh, on yeah. regardless mm-hmm. uh so you know and trying to get them on the turkey and then get everything right it's just uh the decoys do a great job of holding that bird's attention so mm-hmm. that you can get a, a kid to get a good shot yeah yeah that's true mm-hmm yeah, that's definitely something. I, I I don't have kids, so I haven't really thought about that aspect of using decoys. But it's I can definitely apply that to like coyote calling and stuff like that, and trapping, especially trapping with using snares or a foot trap. If you have a blind set, the coyote's not focused on anything; he's just cruising. And but once you pull his attention, you just made it a hundred times harder to get him to do what you want to do. So, well, I got a I got a decoy story from a, a, a many years ago. Me and this local kid were hunting this one particular bird. Mm-hmm. Actually, they, they were they were brothers, and so I ended up killing the bird uh, like the end of the first week. Mm-hmm. I killed I killed one of the brothers, and he had real nice inch and three eighths spurs. Mm-hmm. And my goal was to kill the other one, but me and me and this this local kid were were you know we we're just if he was hunting them we would just let each other know hey you going in there tomorrow yeah. you know we we're just respectful mm-hmm. you know and uh so the information that he was telling me he went in with a his his tea party and as soon as the bird hit the field he seen the tea party and took off he never heard from that bird again he was decoy shy mm-hmm. so i took Apparently that he'd inf- been shot at before <laughs> he must have been rolled or something like that mm-hmm. so I took that information and uh, like the third week of the season, uh, he wasn't going in there. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide in there. You mind? Oh, it's it's all good. Mm-hmm. So I went in there with one hen, 
after hunting this bird many, many times, I, and I, I went out there at 40 yards and I stuck one hen. And what this bird would do, he would hit the, he would, he would gobble on the roost and he would hit the ground and he'd walk dead away from that field to where you, could, you couldn't even hear him anymore. He would gobble the whole time, walking mm-hmm. away as far as you could hear, just barely audible. Mm-hmm. And about an hour later, he would turn, he'd, he'd start gobbling his way back to that field. Well, he mm-hmm. popped out about, about 150 yards to my right. And as you know, before when the sun was coming up, I realized I'm 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 in I'm all backed into a uh, a poison ivy patch. Nice. <laughs> it, it was bad. That's a whole other story. I'm but sure. anyway, he saw as soon as he hit the field, I never seen a gobbler do this, but he stayed in full strut across that field for 150 yards, sidestepping the hmm. whole way. He sidestepped that whole distance until I, I I killed that bird. Really. But he also had an inch and three eighths. Uh, spurs, but he had a double beard, mm-hmm. and I I won a contest at oh, Canada really? Mountain with that bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a really dandy, cool. yeah. So mm-hmm. nice bird. That like kind of jogs me on another question. A lot of people, when they hear a bird going away, they'll pursue. Do you tend to go after birds? I guess, unless you like, you knew that bird. I knew it, that bird. Yeah. I knew he was coming back. Yeah, but it, it only took hunting him many many times like yeah. he's the one i wanted i was not gonna switch i knew what he was gonna do yeah. but it took a lot of times to realize yeah. that he was coming back so on because i did go after him before yeah, okay. yeah that's what i was and, gonna say and you know sometimes i'd booger it up and but mm-hmm. he always would he would always roost like i'd check him at night and he would always be right he would always be in that field like that's mm-hmm. just his personality that's where yeah. he wanted to be mm-hmm. so but as the season went on like start seeing he had less hens and less hens mm-hmm. but if you put out any more than than one decoy, he would just leave the. He would he was never done. hear from the rest of the day. You mm-hmm. wouldn't hear from him. So hmm. it was interesting. He was an interesting one, and you know, not all of them are like that. That's the, that's the that's what I love about turkey hunting. You know, they're all different. Yeah. So such yeah. diverse personalities. They really are, and mm-hmm. and it changes throughout the season how that how they'll do it. So mm-hmm. yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up because I know there's a lot of different avenues people tend to take on this but what is your thoughts on calling while the birds are still on the roost do you don't you we don't Mm-mm. we rarely even uh do any locator calling unless we're in like a a new territory mm-hmm. i was gonna know, say we, we not, not night usually. before that's the only time we locate and at that time we're, we're really trying to pin down exactly where they are so we know how close we can get without screwing mm-hmm. it up uh but yeah i don't think we touch a call until we know they're on the ground see mm-hmm. that's what i've been doing the past few years because i mean when i first started getting into turkey hunting it's always super easy and super cool to call to them when they're on the roost and they all hammer back mm-hmm. um but it, it's cool I, yeah that's right but <laughs> it's cooler to kill birds though <laughs> exactly way yeah. cooler to kill birds <laughs> yeah but what i've come to found find out is when you're calling to a gobbler on the roost. What's going on in his mind is that hen is supposed to come to him, and he's going to stay up in the tree until he sees that hen, then he flies down. So when you start calling to a bird on the roost, in his mind, he's waiting for you to come to him. And I quit calling on the roost a couple years ago, and it was hard for me to do because I loved calling and having four or five gobblers hammer back. Um, but I have noticed that I think in that first initial setup, it does help tremendously to stay quiet well, until they're on the ground. I'll go back to what I said earlier about 
being where they want to be. You know, like if you got a, you know, a beautiful green field here and then, but you're, and, and they're, and they're roosted and you're on the other side of that, you know, they're more than likely, they want to go to that field. Mm -hmm. You know, you've seen them in that field. They want to be in that. Cause I mean, that gobbler wants to strut his stuff. They yeah. want to get that morning sun. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants to be more than likely he's going to want to be in that field. If he's, you know, depending on where you're, where you're hunting. So, yeah. You, you need to be where they want to be no matter how much calling you can sit in those woods and, and and talk you know until your hands fall off or your throat you know get sore but you're not going to pull him out of that field that's where he wants to be mm -hmm. and that's where he's going yeah you're be. not going to take him the you're opposite not. direction you're not. no matter what you do you're not mm -hmm. so, uh, and, and back to your point uh, a lot of people don't realize they got a good vantage point up there in that tree so once <laughs> once you start making calls, they're they're gonna they're really good at locating where that call's coming what, from. Fifteen feet, like, yeah, and they know exactly yeah. where you're at. So the slightest movement you make while that bird's still in the tree, even you know in, in, in amongst your calls, and you may just be sitting there, but you move your hand or something. It, you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, that, you know, that bird flew down and he went straight away from me." Well, yeah, he he probably saw you moving while you were trying to talk to him mm -hmm. before he was on the ground. You know, that, that's a vantage point you have is when they're on the ground, you're in an equal playing field in terms of mm -hmm. uh, elevation and terrain. Uh, they're up in the tree and you start talking, you're giving yourself away. Yeah. Well, especially for the, the early season, you know, here, you know, we start getting in the late season, you know, later on in the season, the leaves are coming on. You can get away with a lot yeah. more. But, you know, when we go down to West Virginia, they're three weeks ahead of us. So it's already pretty well greened up. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so you can, you, can, you can get away with a lot more. But the, the, the other problem with that is that's why we like to start on the high ground. You can hear so much further. Yeah. You know, and then you can go ahead and make your move. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier running ridges than running up and down that hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lesson you learn quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one or two times going up and down you're like yeah we'll go up there from now on <laughs> yeah you can hear i mean it isn't amazing when you're up on that on those ridges and early in the morning and they start sounding off it's just oh my god they're just all over the place you know mm -hmm. and it's fun well that one evening i think we put about 13 or 15 different birds to yeah. bed in from one spot now granted they were everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah you could just they were just it was just that night you know the weather was right you know the humidity levels i mean that all you know depending on if they're gonna gobble or not you mm -hmm. know and it was just that that perfect night and they were just going everyone was going nuts and, and you know usually you know what i've seen with turkeys they'll gobble a lot better in the mornings than the evenings but this particular evening huh they were just going crazy mm -hmm. but in what i've also noticed if a bird will gobble in the evening he's definitely going to gobble in the morning oh yeah that's one thing that i've noticed hmm. yeah and a couple of years ago we've been allowed to hunt in the afternoon the last couple of weeks of the season do you do much evening hunting or do you pretty much strictly hunt in the morning when you're allowed obviously we i i've killed a couple big birds in the evening mm -hmm. but it's not by calling it was strictly by crawling mm -hmm. ghillie suit like you know totally mm -hmm. ambushed like i knew where this i knew where they were roosting and, and slide in there and mm -hmm. like kill but, but majority of our time is is in the mornings mm -hmm. yeah yeah we've I'd have the to evenings say. haven't been i mean they're not as productive not, they're not as not. talkative uh and we tend to uh, 
we tend to p- keep our evenings toward locating. You know, mm-hmm. since they've gone to the all-day hunting, uh, another mistake guys make. They go in there, and what do they do? They hunt these birds where they know they've been roosting, right? Mm-hmm. So they go in, and they're taking a chance, and you end up blowing a roost spot. Yeah. So, yeah, evenings, they haven't been good to us. Mm-hmm. No. It's like I noticed you guys were talking about going to West Virginia and it's like all big woods, big timber. Um, and then around this area, it's pretty common for birds to work their way right to fields um, in the mornings for, like you said, they want to be out there. They want to strut and get that sun yep. in big timber. Uh, where are you, where, I guess, where are they heading early in the morning if there isn't those big fields to go to? Do you, do you typically catch them in like creek bottoms or have you found something else when you're in big timber that's oak, different from food, this area? Beach flats, oak flats. It's usually a, 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 a there's a food source you know where they can get some good scratchings you know anywhere where they open up a little bit uh, to where they can get some morning sun they feel safe yeah, as you say you the know, sunny sides the sun the sunny sides I think that's I mean that's that's where it's at you know for for that big timber uh, we're just lucky down in West Virginia that you know there are some there are some fields but I mean there are, we've had some occasions to where we've not even got close to a field they just mm-hmm. they just hang out in the in the woods all day yeah that was wow. Maryland yeah so. I was just gonna say that in Maryland we had no fields anywhere close it was yeah. all timber and creek bottoms you had yeah. nothing no openings at all so I, I think it's just important that you're not locked in to one thing and you just make yourself flexible. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be prepared for anything and be prepared to do anything. Yeah. That's why I haven't, especially for to make the most of a hunt, if you're going to go out of state, take somebody with you. Mm-hmm. Be, for That really adds a whole other level to it, to being able to set that, that guy, your, you know, your buddy out front yeah. and do that calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Work as a team. Birds, yeah. I don't know how many birds we've killed that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about that the past couple of weeks because me and Tom hunt together all the time up yeah, in New York. And, that's cool. You know, those two hunt together all the time. Yeah. And it definitely really, really adds to your success when you can split up even 20 yards. Yeah. Just oh, that little bit of yeah. distance really, really helps. And a lot of times, even though that we have hunted together, like Brad and I have hunted together for so long, you know, sometimes we'll just always still bounce information off each other mm-hmm. to formulate a, a solid plan to, mm-hmm. to get after it you yeah because you can't remember everything you yeah know? hey what do you think of this well you know and then give another scenario mm-hmm. great point let's do that you yeah know? so mm-hmm. having those having those two brains work together is pretty powerful mm-hmm. you know we and do. then you got four eyes you know so you got to be able to see what's going on yeah. a little bit of movement mm-hmm. they can be coming in silent too you know yeah. you got to be able to see what's happening mm-hmm. so and we've done quite a bit of setups. Uh, you know, we've talked a, a lot about one guy moving back. But if you've hunted turkeys long enough, you've been set up on a bird maybe to your left, and all of a sudden he's right behind you or right to your right. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. we do a lot of setups where we'll sit together, and one's in one direction, one's in the other. Yeah. Uh, just to help help with that, because we've had it happen <laughs> Time and time oh, again. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah anybody that's turkey dangerous. hunted has been there. <laughs> oh, we've we've set up back to back before. You mm-hmm. know, just had had you know have a bird gobble, and he's 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 close. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe we can't see him, or he can see it. He, I can't believe he's still coming. Yeah, we'll drop to the ground back to back, and, we, and that way we're pretty well covered, mm-hmm. and somebody's getting a shot. Yeah, so, definitely. Funny, just walking in leaves. You know, 
Mm -hmm. Just last week, I was out shed hunting, and there were some gobblers on the other side of the creek. And I just started scratching in, in the lead. I didn't have a call with me. I started scratching. Just making hammering, noise. Hammering, hammering, hammering. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't see them. They couldn't see me. But yeah, they were just hammering. They heard what sounded like a turkey, yeah, so <laughs> that's all they needed. It, sometimes that is all it needs. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even need to touch a call. That, that's so. usually the, the seal of the deal. If we get one that we know he's close and we don't want to make a call, uh, usually one of us will reach down and just start scratching the leaves a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and that will... That will bring them, get them to reveal themselves. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to make that call because then they pinpoint you. Yeah. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. definitely makes sense. I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about doing stuff, you know, scratching or like flapping their hat or whatever to make something that's not a turkey call, but it's a sound a turkey makes. Yeah. I've, I've never really tried it, but obviously you guys well, have had success with it. certainly done the hat thing, but one thing I'm going to implement this year because a, a guy that I follow on YouTube, I, mm-hmm. I really respect. He does a lot of, uh, his name's Dave Owens from uh, the Penhody Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, lot, sometimes they'll go ahead and bring out an actual wing feather. And they'll, oh, just, really? they'll just brush it across their hand, like in the morning. Like it's stretching out, and you can hear okay. that sound. Mm-hmm. So I have a I have a wing dried out that I'm going to take with me. <laughs> Give it's it a gonna shot. Be, it's going to be in the repertoire huh. for this I've never year. seen anyone do that. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and it works out real good, too. You just beat it on your leg, and it sounds better than a hat. Oh, yeah, so I'm sure it does. It's more realistic. So mm-hmm. We usually re- start re- off every season with a pretty full vest. And, uh, <laughs> by, by the end of the season... <laughs> By the end of the season, yeah. I, I don't know that we even have yeah. anything other than a gun and one call. Yeah. <laughs> Get tired Slate of call, carrying one shit. mouth call. Yeah, and maybe like two <laughs> shells. Yeah, that's <laughs> all you need. That's it. Yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so uh, before we wrap things up, I know you were talking. You had a story of all oh, stories before we started here. We were. I'll tell you. The story here, I mean, it definitely, uh, it, 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 it doesn't, this is before Brad started going down to West Virginia, but our buddy uh, down there uh, who, I, he wanted to go hunting with me one morning, mm-hmm. so. Uh, is he a hunter? Is he... He's a hunter, okay. you know, but not like we're hunters, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they do it a little bit differently down in West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> it's more food related, yeah. you know, like we're not, they're not going to get to, you know, we're not going to spend the yeah. money on you know, decoys. Hail. Hail. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we go to this, we, we, we go to this spot to where I told him I heard birds the day before, you know, I, yeah, man, I know this area real well, you know, so we, we jump. So we're not going to walk anywhere. You, you take we're gonna jump on the four wheeler <laughs> so i'm just i'm just in it to enjoy the time with mm-hmm. him you know i'm not figuring I'm not, you're not gonna kill anything probably but... not gonna kill anything yeah right? and uh so we start off we start off on this one point and it's like i said it's really hilly there and steep it's real steep mm-hmm. and uh we hear these two birds uh on the roost and they're all the way down like to get to him would take an hour i've been down down mm-hmm. in the bottom back up the other side and the field where i think they're gonna go um i said richie i think we need to be on the other side well hey we'll be there in five minutes we jump on that wheeler <laughs> and, and be away, there in no time <laughs> way away we go like i'm hanging on for dear life like white knuckling it yeah like, it's, it's freaking crazy so we get over there and we get so we we park the wheeler up up high. We run down the fence line, 
I touch a call, and those two were still in the woods. And they, when they gobbled, we had enough time to jump over the fence, and because it was a big pasture field, and set up on a tree. And there was there was there was two long beards there, and they're just down on the next bench. So we started working them. And they started working their way up, and I he doesn't pattern like like we do. Like you know, if he can if he can you know maybe put a couple pellets you know in a, in a <laughs> yeah. you know in a pie plate at 60 yards that's that's great for him you know so mm-hmm. so when these two birds they come up 20 when they pop their heads up they're at 25 yards i get their full fans like i get the, you know and that's all, that's all there is there's two long beards that's it mm-hmm. so they come up so i'm on my bird he's on he's on i said you got the one on the right because he's on my right i said i got the one on the left but i didn't want to touch a trigger until i knew his bird was down because i was yeah. nervous i was nervous about his weapon you mm. know <laughs> i wanted to make sure we at least got one yeah. you know so <laughs> so i i said all right i said i said you ready yeah i'm ready so i said go ahead shoot shoot and and i didn't touch a trigger at that time even though i was on my bird he shoots and both birds erupt out of the air and so he's shooting, I'm shooting, and I'm shooting at the bird, the one on the right now, because that they I switched. figured it's wounded. Yeah. You know, I figured he had to have hit it, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't even worry about the bird. I didn't want to have two two birds wounded. Yeah. So anyway, after all the dust, set, this bird like just dives down off the edge, and I can't, both of them, we can't, gone. can't, can't see him, gone, mm-hmm. gone. So he's like, man, I don't, I don't know what happened. And I'm a little upset. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a little upset and he sensed it. And he said, he said, man, I freaking hate this gun. He, he, he takes it. He flips it up in the air, grabs it by the barrel. Now, takes, hold on. Before you tell the rest of the story, <laughs> I got to put Richie in context here. Richie <laughs> is about six, 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 seven, probably 285 solid pounds with a size 18 shoe this is not a little man that we're talking about dude's a monster all right yeah. now so now. he he grabs this his his shotgun which is empty mm-hmm. and he takes two steps and launches this thing he launches this gun and it is end for end and it sounds like it's a it's a mossberg i'm gonna go ahead and, dro- and, and name yeah. drop this gun because it's pretty incredible i'm not a mossberg fan but he launched and it sounds like a windmill it actually leaves the canopy of the trees and it's headed for that deep ravine i lost sight of it but i heard it just seconds later bouncing it's nothing but rocks up in there mm-hmm. it's ting ting bonk, ting ting. you hear this thing rolling down the hill i'm like that thing gotta be in pieces right yeah so he's walking away and he's scuffing his feet he's upset you know he's mumbling something i'm like whoa whatever so because we're i'm we've been looking for looking for this bird can't find it mm-hmm. so i went back to where we were because i had my call sitting there and i look and i the last thing i seen was this big cherry tree mm-hmm. and i'm like oh you know what maybe i wasn't down far enough so i went down i hooked a right on a deer trail and i was headed towards that cherry tree and i'll be damned for one of those birds piled up right oh, there. yeah so <laughs> i grabbed it it was stone dead mm-hmm. and i put it behind my back and i walk up to him I said, man, I, uh, I said I, I found a feather over there. He goes, you did. I said, yeah, about five thousand. <laughs> five thousand. <over. laughs> he was so excited. So we were hip, hipping and hollering, yeah. you know, the high five. And he goes, 
Well, shit, I guess I got to go get my damn gun. (laughs) (laughs) He goes down off air. Now, I figured he was only going to come up with the stock, right? Yeah. He come up. It didn't have a freaking ding in it, not a freaking scratch. And I'm telling you what, he made this gun fly. (laughs) End for end. How it was not in peace. So... You know, hats off to Mossberg because they yeah. make one hell of a make weapon. a durable he, gun. He he sold it to his brother for like twenty bucks, <laughs> <laughs> and his brother loves it. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's whatever. Hilarious. So yeah, man, <laughs> the freaking Mossberg launch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should have got the bird mounted with the gun. <laughs> Retire it right there. <laughs> right there. That's it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, you just never know what's gonna what that guy's gonna do, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely makes for a fun hunt, though. You oh, always know you're exciting. gonna have fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it turned out the way it did because he'd probably still be miserable about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have any good thing good things to say about Mossberg. I don't have anything bad to say, but you know, we do we do put in the time for patterning, and we only shoot like TSS. You know, we shoot uh, nitro ammo with the mm-hmm. right chokes that they recommend. Like that's that's what we use. You know, mm-hmm. him him and I, we both shoot Benelli's. Like we want the best of the best going out there. And I'm not saying you can't. I mean, we've all killed them with number five copper plated shot, and you know that's fine. But I want that. You want to have confidence in your equipment Absolutely. when you go out there. I want at least 200 pellet count in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards. Period. Mm-hmm. If we're if it's not doing mm-hmm. that, what the hell good is it? That's the way we look at it. We have mm-hmm. scopes on our guns, like. You know, and we just never had a desire to shoot one with a with archery equipment. We just like shooting them in the face with a shotgun. <laughs> you know, that's what we like doing. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. teach their own. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, and, yeah. and and Scott brings up a, a really good point. You know, we we talk about a lot of misconceptions of guys, and you know, there's so many guys out there that go in the gun cabinet, grab the gun, ruffle through the bottom of the gun cabinet, find three shells, <laughs> yeah. probably all not the same. Mm-hmm. And they head out turkey hunting, and then they yeah. can't understand why I missed this bird at 30, 35 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, the, do your homework. Uh, if there's one thing that we, we have found, uh, ammo is really hard to find anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really taken liking to, to the Nitro Ammo uh, company. Um, not the not the brand you can buy in the store. It's the actual company that mm-hmm. that you call, and, and they do your they do all the homework for you. You go on their website and you say, "I got a Benelli Super Black Eagle 2. and you say, "I want a three and a half inch shell," or "I want a three inch shell." They'll tell you exactly which shell and what choke, mm-hmm. and it's no joke. Um, I was having trouble because they my gun shoots number fives, mm-hmm. unreal, uh, like ridiculous pellet counts like 400 pellets mm-hmm. in a 10 inch circle i mean it's crazy yeah man. then they switched because they couldn't find you know the bbs anymore so they switched yeah. it and my gun was shooting like crap they sent hmm. me i think five or six different shells to try two or three different chokes to try and uh because they do the homework for you, you go on you find your gun It'll tell you which shell to buy and what choke you need for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what's nice about that is, uh, you know, back in the day before I even found nitro, I'd ha- I'd just be buying chokes left and right, you know, and then I'd yeah, have and that's all not these, cheap. All these shells and it's not cheap, and I still like finding that right combination. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shoot this shell with this choke, 
you know, and it doesn't, well, then I got to go to the next, the next shell. So I, that means I shoot all my shells at different ranges, you mm-hmm. know, different distances. Yeah. It was just getting way too expensive. I had all these chokes that I can't return because I already shot them. Yeah. You know? And you don't ever plan to use them. So nitro, I mean, it saved us a ton of money. Yeah. You're going to spend more for it, but you know what, when I buy them, I know what it can do. Yeah. You know, we just confirm it every year mm-hmm. and, uh, and we hit it and that, that, you know, just knowing your equipment yeah you know? exactly and i think most people are like what you said they the first three shells they find they throw in their gun and that they're going turkey hunting yeah and i we've we've had our own friends that we've done it with and, and i challenge anybody to to go out and do it shoot your gun at 20 shoot your gun at 30 shoot your gun at 40 with the same shell and you will be amazed at how much that opens up Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. you can you could take our guns i mean i don't even sh- i hate to shoot a turkey at 20 yards with with this ammo and this combination that we're shooting i mean makes a mess I, oh <laughs> i've taken i've taken heads off i've taken feathers i mean right mm-hmm. down to the skin like i i truly don't want to shoot a bird at 20 yards yeah i, I actually that's why i backed off of shooting three and a half so i only shoot three inch anymore mm-hmm. because it if you if you can pattern your gun well it's it's devastating yeah mm-hmm. I, I think they just deserve that respect if you're gonna yeah do it. for just, sure just like i said before if you're gonna do it freaking do it right yeah you know mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah you don't so want to go out there wounding them just no, winging leather around. you know it, it sucks when you wound anything oh yeah so that's why you know it's just gotta spend a little bit of money and and a little bit know, of time and, and then you, it's not like we're banging you know 40 birds a year mm-hmm. you know so how many shells that's how we were able to justify it you yeah know? so what we double in west virginia new york so the most we're going to kill is six mm-hmm. you know but when we pull the trigger we got a dead bird at the yeah. end of that so mm-hmm. yeah you know it's going to go exactly how you want it exactly mm-hmm. that finish 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 the game you got this far you know yeah. you put in all the work and the yeah. time you got up early let's finish this mm-hmm. so that's the way we look at it yeah definitely so. Yeah, you'd hate to put in all that time and then oh. just blow it out the end of the barrel for nothing. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, and you see it time and time again, and you hear guys that do it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen to us again, but we've yeah, def- you, you we've always have those scenarios that, yeah, that we, yeah. you just can't get around. Something happens, you know, it just doesn't work out right. But when you put everything in your favor, you have fewer and fewer of those things happening. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so is there anything else you guys want to touch on, talk about anything super important that you guys really think we need to talk about? If not, we can wrap it up. But if you guys have anything else you want to bring up, then we'll talk about it. What do you think, Brad? I don't think so. I mean, it comes down to knowing your, knowing your gun, knowing your ammo, doing your homework, and uh, you know, giving yourself the best chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... Yeah, I think that's I think that's about it, man. I mean, mm-hmm. we could certainly talk about you know more stories and stuff, but I think the the nuts and the bolts of it, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely appreciate you guys coming on, yeah, taking definitely. your time Thanks to for having us. talk yeah, with us. Love Thanks it. for having us. Yeah, yeah it's a great it's a great topic. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we, like I said, we've been talking for three four weeks now about turkeys every single week. <laughs> so. <laughs> so much fun. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll sit on here and talk turkeys all day long. But yeah. when I walk out this door and somebody asks me about turkey hunting, I, I tell them, yeah. it, it sucks. You, you, don't want <laughs> you to never want to do that. No. <laughs> no. You, you don't want to do it. Yeah. Zero fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how consistent 
is this podcast compared to the ones that you've had the past few weeks? Is everybody, you know, have you seen a lot of a variety in, in what, it, you know, everybody's talking about? Like for most podcasts, like in our sort of genre, don't follow like the seasons like we do. Turkeys each week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just talking about turkeys. Tactic wise. Oh, know, okay. Like okay. Ta- okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like in general. No, uh, no. But yeah, like. We've we've talked about a lot of similar things, but just like stuff that we've tried, and you know things that we've racked our brains about, gone through. I see. And you guys just break it down. Yeah, it's just it's always good to have another person's perspective, even if you guys are talking about the exact same thing that we talked about a week or two ago. Yeah, you're gonna say something totally different. It might you might have the same exact process, but you'll say it differently and talk about it more in depth, or say something a little bit different that will jog somebody and be like, you know, that's that makes a lot of sense right there. Like, yeah, I could say something and you could say something, trying to get the same point across, and it'll sound totally different. So, yeah, we we always enjoy having even if it's the same exact topic, it's it's a lot of fun to talk to different people and get someone else's perspective on how they do things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you know, and that because we're talking about private mm-hmm. land birds right now. Yeah, you know, public would be totally different. Totally yeah. different. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to your tactics would be totally mm-hmm. different. Yeah, you know, and lot, I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a week or two. A lot but, less calling, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, a lot more scouting. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's how it was. more so, guys, more yeah, pressure. A lot more, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of that. Yeah, so. a lot of stuff to pay attention to. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, well, I guess uh, if that's all we have to talk about, I'll throw the mic to Nick. So, uh, you want me to say it? All right, well, thanks for tuning in to episode 67, guys. We really appreciate it, and we're definitely not done talking turkeys. I'm sure we still got probably another month of turkey talk. So, thanks a lot to you guys for coming on. You you. guys were great. Thanks for having us. I'm sure we'll have you back again at least to talk. So, in the meantime, make sure you guys are getting outside. All right.